0: Welcome to another episode of the Looking After Nature podcast. My name is not Andy Davidson, but I am Carly Harrod, and I'm here today to bring you closer to nature and wildlife in Hampshire. And I'm here today with Alison, who is the England Coast Path Project Manager for Hampshire. Hi, Alison. Hi, Carly. It's a beautiful day today, isn't it? It is very, very nice. Hot and sunny. The sun is shining and we are back down on the coast. So, what is the England Coast Path? Well, it's
1: as it says. It is a path that runs around the coast of England. And how long is it, roughly? I think when everything is in place, it's going to be about 2,800 miles. Do you know how far the path is in Hampshire? Probably just over 200 kilometres. So that's a pretty... Quite a long way. Pretty long path. Take you a long time to walk all the way from Mm Barton-on-Sea
0: to Emsworth. So, why has it been decided that we need a path around the whole coast of England? So,
1: back, I'm going to say in the mid 2000s, the the government decided, as part of the Marine and Coastal Act, that it would be really nice to have a coast path around the whole of Mm -hmm. England, so that people could access the coast. It was one of the things that they realised that in a lot of places, coastal access wasn't brilliant. Mm -hmm. So they decided, let's put it in legislation. And we'll create a coast path that hopefully will go from somewhere in Carlisle Mm. up to berwick on tweed and you'll be able to walk all that way around because Wales already has a coast path mm-hmm. which was
0: finished in 2012. So what sort of it's very important to have access to the coast isn't it for your mental health and well-being mm-hmm. it's brilliant to be by the sea I mean we're sat here today the sun's shining there's a nice breeze which is Lovely. nice yeah. um, but what rights does it give walkers? So
1: basically the England coast path It allows people to walk along a defined trail or Mm -hmm. it will allow people to walk along a defined trail. And we're only talking about walking here. We're not talking about cycling or horse riding or camping or I don't know, paddle boarding, Mm -hmm. which obviously we have quite a lot of in Hampshire, kite surfing, and things like that. It literally is just a right to initially walk along a trail, which is the Coast Path Trail which will be signed the whole way around the coast. As part of the legislation they also created these coastal access rights Mm -hmm. as well which are basically it's a right of access on foot to mainly seaward of the trail itself Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to the sea essentially. So you basically have access from the, the trail and at any point Along the coastline, you may be able to get to the sea. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, there are
1: conditions or restrictions and things in that. Yes,
0: because obviously a lot of our coast is really sensitive. Yep. And we don't really want people walking all over it.
1: So the coastal access rights don't apply to two or three areas. One is exempt land, Mm -hmm. and and that is a legal term, exempt land. So places like people's houses. Yeah back gardens, M.O.D., so military areas, yeah. things like that where any other time you wouldn't expect coastal uh, or access rights to apply. You also have what we call excluded land, which mm-hmm. is excluded under the Countryside Rights of Way Act. So they are things like where access is is seen to not be suitable Mm -hmm. so things like mud flats salt marsh where not only would it be dangerous for people to to walk there where the tides go out really far you know it would be dangerous but also there's a uh, nature conservation and heritage aspect of, it, mm-hmm. of it, uh, excluded land. Along Hampshire along Hampshire's coastline, we have a lot of European nature <laughs> conservation yeah. designations. We have special protection areas, we have sites of special scientific interest, and we have special areas of conservation along the, the Hampshire coastline. These are really, really important, not only nationally, but mm-hmm. also, well, uh, European-wise and globally. Yeah and the section 26 exclusion stops people from basically accessing those areas Mm -hmm. in hampshire unfortunately a lot of the coast (laughs) falls under the these designations so a lot of the coastline is excluded but areas like fort gilkicker in Mm gosport that is not excluded land. The whole of Leon Solent seafront is not excluded. A lot of the length of the path, the path will say, for example, run along a cliff top or on the top of the beach. And you will be able to access to say high the, the high tide mark. Yeah. And it's just below that high tide mark that uh, the access
0: rights don't, don't apply. Mm-hmm. So how do people find out If they're walking on a coast path, how do they know if they can access the water's edge? Basically, you would look at what the landscape gives you. If it's someone's back garden, you don't go through
1: there. If it's a farmyard or a boatyard, for example, you wouldn't go through there. If, you know, we're sat here at Wicker, it is, I think the tide is coming in at the moment, so we can just see the extent of the kind of the mud flats. You can see the, the stony beach. Mm-hmm. That would be fine, you know, it's it, it's all about common sense really. Yeah. A lot of rights of way and access things <laughs> are about common sense. There are obviously going to be times when people make mistakes. There are going to be issues with dogs off leads and things like that. So the coastal access rights obviously apply to people. Does allow you to take your dogs, but it does specifically say that dogs, particularly where there is livestock, have to be on a lead mm-hmm. if you're using your coastal access rights. If there's not livestock they have to be under this term that we all know and love in access but no one ever quite understands under close
0: control or under under good control so that basically means that if your dog has good recall yeah um, and can come back to you then you can let it off the lead but you want it to be in sight if your dog's not going to come back to you don't let it off the lead really. So we talked earlier we've got a lot of designations along the Hampshire coast and you've been working yep. quite closely with Bird Aware Solent to produce yep. some brilliant signs, haven't you? Yes. <laughs> but these signs are there to let people know about those special areas and what they can do to help those the wildlife in those areas.
1: Yep. Part of my job as project manager is to help people know where they're going. So first of all we have wayfinding signage. Mm-hmm. So you'll see things like uh, finger posts and waymark posts with the signs on which tell you where to go. Yeah. In some cases we may put where not to go where it's not particularly obvious, but also as part of that and as part of the, the habitat regulation assessment that Natural England had to do to look at the effects mm. of the coast that the coast path may have on the local habitats. Yeah. One of the mitigations was to install a number of interpretation boards along or in particularly high use spots, but also where the, the in particular, the bird life, the yeah. overwintering birds are really important. I mean, I know we've talked about or you have talked about on, on your podcast previously about the overwintering birds yeah. and the effect that people walking may have on them and the disturbance and things like that. So the interpretation boards basically just tell you what's what you might see from the shoreline or from from the path and just kind of encourage you particularly to not go in the, that that area so for example we where we're sat now we are going to have an interpretation board here which will show you where you can and can't go because this part of Portsmouth Harbour has really it is one of the big overwintering birds. I think we have the Brent geese here yeah. and particularly a bit further around towards the golf course. There's, you can, you know, it's a really good place for bird watching. Yeah. And there were a lot of birds here
0: over winter. I mean, now we can see a few gulls. But in the winter we get about 125,000 birds flock to our shores because yeah. of the abundance of food that we have in the Solent. And we do ask that coastal users help the birds to thrive by keeping to the path and away from the water's edge, Mm -hmm. moving further away if the birds become alerts and by that we mean if they look at you, if they lift their head up, if they stop doing what they were doing and keeping dogs alongside you and away from the birds. I mean the the birds along
1: here when you stick to the path do tend to be quite habituated to to walkers in particular and so if you stick to the path you tend to not disturb them yeah. at all but I think it's when you get that high tide in the middle of the day or at busy times when the birds are most likely to be up towards the yeah. closest to the path itself self, that you have that risk of disturbing them. Again it's usually only winter time so when, what do we say normally October through to March? October
0: maybe? to the end of March yeah. is the general season they start arriving in September but they're not really here in big numbers until October,
1: and and actually that's one of the great things about using the coast path in the winter will be the ability to be able to yeah. see the birds in their natural habitat doing what they do over winter. Certainly somewhere like Titchfield Haven, if you walk along the cliff top there on the coast path at dusk or just mm-hmm. before dusk, the geese that come in yeah. then it's just. An amazing amazing. sight. The noise is amazing as well. These
0: geese come over your head when they're coming in to roost in the evening. It's just fantastic and we get around 10% of the world's population of dark-bellied brent geese in the Solent so it is a really important habitat for them. So it's great we're going to be able to walk the whole coast but when are we going to be able to walk the whole coast? So I'm going to give you a fun
1: fact. First part of the England Coast Path that was opened was the stretch around weymouth bay
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so i think it was from portland to Lyme regis or some somewhere like that and it opened in time for the 2012 olympics Mm -hmm. so that people could watch the sailing events from weymouth bay
0: that's 10 years ago
1: that's 10 years ago that was the first stretch that was i did
0: not realize we'd been going that long on the english coast england coast path the, well, the legislation came in in 2009, so the first stretch was opened in 2012. I
1: think there are, in total, 67-ish stretches Sorry. around the whole of the coast. Mm-hmm. There are currently 17 open yep. already, which you can use. The nearest ones to us are probably either that, that Weymouth stretch or further towards East Sussex, mm-hmm. quite a lot. In, on the northeast coastline open our first stretches in the south of england
0: will be opening on the 3rd of august this year 2022 it's exciting and when will the whole lot be open in hampshire
1: so the government <laughs> this was a press release the government released in february of this year they said that the coast path will be fully walkable by the end of this parliament because if everything's happened, we're not quite sure when that might be. <laughs> yeah.
0: But we'll say December 24th. So I did have a really cool fun fact to share with Andy. Do you want to hear it instead? Yes, please. Do you know how many ports or harbours you would pass if you walked the entire England coast path? Oh my gosh, there must be 20, at least in Hampshire, on its own. I don't know, 2,000? Not quite that many. So uh, it does really depend on the definition of a port or harbour. Okay. Obviously, um, because there's a slight difference between like Southampton port and Titchfield Haven little harbour, you know. But there are 120 cargo handling ports around the UK and there are over 400 non-cargo handling ports and harbours, not including all the marinas. And these are vital parts of our industry in this country. We are a very coastal country. They provide vital facilities for fishing and the marine leisure sectors as well as um, obviously our gateways to getting away to other parts of the world on our cruise ship. Well and I assume bringing in all of our goods that we get from overseas. Yep and harbours are quite often thought of being a bit polluting but that's not always the case. Mm So I come from a very, a small fishing town in Devon. When I was growing up, it really was polluted. Like, yeah, you wouldn't have gone in the water in the <laughs> harbour, it was gross. But now we've got dolphins coming into the harbour. It's really good. So it is showing that over the years we are getting more caring about our marine environment. Mm-hmm. Shall I
1: tell you another interesting fact? Go on then. Along the co- the coast path follows the coast of Hampshire, obviously, mm-hmm. we're sat here we can see Portsmouth, Old Portsmouth. We can see a Spinnaker Tower from yeah. where we're sat. Just around the corner from where we are in Wicker is Portchester Castle. Mm-hmm. So Hampshire has a number of coastal castles yeah. sat along the coastline. The coast path has some tenuous links. Well, not they're not even tenuous. They are links to Henry VIII. So, for example, we have Hurst Castle, which is on the line of uh, the coast path, which was built by Henry VIII. Yeah. We have Bewley Abbey, Mm -hmm. which whilst it wasn't built by Henry VIII, he had an impact on it with the dissolution of the monasteries. Um, We have Calshot Castle, which we can't see from where we are, but most of the coast you can see Calshot Castle. Mm -hmm. Over at Mm -hmm. Hamble Common, we've got the remnants of another Henrician fort, St Andrew's Castle it's a scheduled ancient monument. So all of these castles mm-hmm. are scheduled ancient monuments in their own right. We have Porchester Castle, yep. we've got South Sea Castle, mm-hmm. all of these are on the line of the Coast Path. So if you know, Coast Path isn't just for like nature lovers or walkers, there is a massive historic interest.
0: So which bits of the Coast Path are going to be the first to open?
1: So, on the 3rd of August, we in Hampshire will be opening two stretches. Mm -hmm. The first one is Calshot to Gosport, so that will take you from basically Calshot. So you'll go past Forley and up to the High Ferry. Take the ferry across to, I think it's Town Quay in Southampton. Mm -hmm. Then you'll pick up the route from Town Quay, go past Royal Victoria Country Park, Hamble Common, into Hamble itself cross the Pink Ferry, which anyone from this part of Hampshire will know about the Pink Ferry, which yep. crosses the Hamble from um, Hamble to Walsash. Yep. Then we'll travel around Spit all the way to Titchfield Haven. That is the end of the Calshottie mm-hmm. to Gosport stretches. Yep. We will also be opening Gosport to Portsmouth. A number of stretches of Gosport to Portsmouth so that will go from the Leon Solent round Gilkicker mm-hmm. up through Hasler, right? Bridge Mary, all the way up through Gosport back up through to Wallington for example mm-hmm. and then we're into um, Cams Hill
0: yeah.
1: and Wicker, round to Portchester and I think the stretch actually then goes down from Port Solent to Tipner in mm-hmm. Portsmouth or halfway down Portsmouth. A pretty long stretch we're opening. I think it's probably, I'm, I'm going to say ha- almost half of the Hampshire parts of the England Coast Path will be opened on the 3rd of August. After the 3rd of August, obviously my job is to start working on either side of that. Mm-hmm. We'll be working with our New Forest National Park Authority colleagues on the High Cliff to Cowshot stretch. We will we will go from Portsmouth round to Hailing Island, Langstone and on to Emsworth as well.
0: Because okay. although a lot of the land that the path goes through is Hampshire County Council land, it's our countryside service site. So a lot of it is private land, yep. a lot of it's owned yep. by other people. Yep. So your job is to get all these people to agree and talk and nice to each other yes. isn't it yes basically i mean in, in hampshire
1: we're very lucky in the fact that we do have a number of rights of way that follow mm-hmm. the coastline so they the, the rights already exist we also have as you you know you've pointed out there's a lot of public land ownership along yeah. the coastline so if it's not hampshire it might be Eastley borough council or fair borough council or Gosport, for mm-hmm. example so there are there are access Rights that exist along the, those lands—they're publicly accessible already. So my job is relatively easy on these first few stretches because there's no new access created. Mm-hmm. Where there isn't that kind of existing access rights already, either public rights of way or publicly owned land, then then the coast path will create mm-hmm. a brand new route. That that will happen in some parts of Hampshire, which is why those the bits either side of this Calshot to Gosport, Gosport to Portsmouth stretch are later yes. because there's, it's, it's slightly less easy, shall we say, to, to put those
0: bits in place. So seeing that you've been working on this for quite a while now, so I'm going to assume you have walked the most of the coast of Hampshire. Bit is your favorite bit, do you think? So I really like, because
1: you get a bit of everything, bit from Royal Victoria Country Park round to Hamble Common. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful there. Lovely little quiet bit yeah. just away from the coast. You can then catch Pink Ferry. You can then go to Hamble, have your lunch, do a bit of sightseeing. They do some really nice, there's some nice cafes there and yeah. things. Use the Pink Ferry to cross the Warsash. Maybe taking the that trip down that first bit of the causeway past Strawberry Fields, at, past the Maritime Academy yeah. and out onto kind of Hookspit and then you can do like a circular back.
0: And Spit is absolutely beautiful, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. it's one of my favourite parts of the coast down here because you just get to see so much different things.
1: And you get a bit of, with that, you get a little bit of, it's quite quiet, on Hamble common, but then there's, you've got pubs, you've got facilities, you've yeah. got, thing is and it'll probably take you to walk that as a circular four hours maybe mm-hmm. depends how quickly you can get the pink ferry.
0: Well I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Looking After Nature. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or thoughts or if there's anything else you'd like us to to discuss in a future episode you can let us know by checking out our Hampshire countryside social media pages. Thank you Alison it's been great to find out about this fantastic project and I can't wait until the path is open and go for a nice long walk yes thank you carly it's been great chatting to you
1: you will be able to find more information on the national trails website so if you just google national trails when the trail is open the information will be on there we will also look to put some on our hampshire countryside website yeah there we will put some bits and pieces out on social media
0: and we'd really appreciate it if you'd rate and review our podcast on itunes as this helps other people find us so for now thanks again for listening i'm carly harrod see you next time